Welcome to Unconditional Love with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is episode 117, 75 years in the love of God. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org. And now, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I want to share something very simple tonight in just a few days. On Friday, it will be my 75th birthday. And I want to look at what has been one of those main floorboards to my life, that, that which has been foundational in everything else that I might have seen and done. You've got to get back to foundations. What has carried me through these last 75 years and over 60 of those have been in Christ and most of the time ministering his word and I I could have chosen many I'm sure yes I know I'm sure but in Psalm 107 is that which has gripped a hold of me in these last few days as I've thought about this Psalm 107, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. And we could keep reading and reading. There's 43 verses to the psalm. But I would just notice at the end of each part of what he has to say, where he is illustrating what I've just read, he gives a sort of repeating chorus. It's like a bell that tolls through the psalm. Verse 8, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. And then in verse 15, after another look at illustrating what we've said. In verse 15 he says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. And that goes on in verse 21, in verse 31. This this is a psalm that, that sort of orbits around this one idea. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, but then especially for his loving kindness is everlasting. And if you've been around me for any part of those 75 years, um, you you know the words that I've just read uh, have pepper and salted just about everything that I've said. And I, I want to see now how this is the very foundation of our salvation, your salvation, and your walk with God, your intimate union with him and it's all around that one word which in my new american standard version of the scripture is translated as loving kindness and those of you that are using older versions like the king james or new king james uh, the word there is trans same word is translated as mercy 
And that, I believe, is unfortunate. It is mercy in that we cannot consider what God has done, who he is in his relationship to us, without crying out mercy. And so I've really no problem with the word that is used, it's mercy, but the word here is much bigger than mercy. So to translate it mercy is to take just one little part of it. There's this word that is used here is a unique word to the scripture. We, we don't use it in the West. It's not part of any language of the West because it assumes that a covenant has been made. And here in the West, we hardly know what a covenant is, let alone to make one. And so it's just not in our language. But when a covenant, when two parties are bound together in the shedding of their own blood and their blood is mingled together as they rub their hands, as they shake their hands, however it is done, from that moment on they are called blood brothers. Their lives have become united together. And the way they look at each other and treat each other from that time forward is described in this word loving kindness. The nearest we get to that in the West is the wedding service as uh, it's conducted in liturgical services. Uh, That is following the covenant idea where you give yourself away to another person. And you give yourself away with no strings attached. It's no ifs and buts there. It's simply said that, uh, that you give yourself to another for better, for worse, for sickness or health, uh, richer, poorer, until death do us part. And that, that's the essence of covenant. It's a total giving of myself to another person or persons giving themselves to persons as sometimes took place in ancient days between families or between even nations. And I say again, then how do you work that out? Uh, How does the wedding day become the 50th anniversary? How does it all work out on the street when when people are living their everyday ordinary lives how do they live out a covenant that they made with another person or persons and it's in this word loving kindness it's it's love yes it's love but you, you have to say hold it a moment it's so much more than love is understood by average human beings that um, we've got to find another word and, and that word, two persons who say we love, is one thing. But when you mention the word loving kindness, then you, you have entered into another dimension. You've entered into another sphere. It's this covenant love. Some of your very modern translations, like within the last 50 years, they have translated it, this word, as covenant love, and they're right on. My only problem there is, I say very few people understand what a covenant is, but that is, really, that's the word. It's covenant love. It means a commitment. It means a giving away of oneself to another 
And it means that we will never leave, we will never forsake, we are bound together. And as I said, by the shedding of blood, it means I will die to keep this covenant. It also means may God himself remove me from the earth if I break this covenant. It's this binding together. It means I will never be abandoned. I'll never be left in the lurch. My covenant partner will never walk away. Among the persons of the Middle East, even to this very day where covenants are still made, uh, they have a saying which is that blood is thicker than milk, by which they mean I may be a milk brother. That is, we both shared the same mother's milk. But that is nothing compared with when two parties shed blood, their own blood, and bind themselves together in a covenant, a blood covenant that's stronger than all natural relationships. So, what was he saying here? It says, his loving kindness, and here you face the, the wonder of Scripture. I mean, I've never gotten over this, and I mean it. As I share it with you today, I find, you know, that, that rising in my spirit of wonder and awe, how could this be? His loving kindness, because everything I've said up to this moment is the loving kindness that exists between two human parties who have entered into a covenant. But here it says that he exercises his loving kindness toward us. Yes, it means that behind this word loving kindness... Should you say the canvas on which the scriptures are painted is the fact that God Himself has entered into covenant with you and I, and therefore His ongoing relationship with each one of us is this word loving kindness, covenant love. Yes, that's mercy, all right, that's mercy. It, it means that God's love toward us, we, we can only describe it using this human word love up to a point. You, you've got to carry human love to its nth degree and then take a leap into God, into limitlessness, His loving kindness. So God isn't just sort of nice. God isn't some old grandfatherly figure that rocks in some heavenly chair and smiles benignly at his children. No. God's love is strong love. God's love takes your breath away. His love is covenant love. He, he loves the creation. He is good to the creation. But to you and I, he has entered into the binding love in which he swore by himself. Do you know what that means? Well, when humans swear by God, calling upon God to watch the words they say, 
And if it was a covenant to say, if I lie, if I cheat on this, then remove me. God made covenant and swore by his own self, for there was none hired to swear by. And Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, spells it out and says, if God swore by himself, then then God was saying, if he didn't keep his word, then God would cease to be. This is the way God loves you and I. It's a binding love. Binding love. And yes, he shed his blood to keep that covenant. When humans shed their blood of the covenant, they say in symbol that if it, if it takes it, I'll die to keep the covenant. When God in Christ Jesus shed his blood on the cross, he was dying to keep his covenant with you, with me. See, people will say, I mean, people who do not accept Jesus as Lord God and Savior, people who do not accept the scriptures, I mean, they're not Christians in any sense of the word, but they will still give a smile and say, of course, God is love, a God being, I don't know how they define him, some define him as the universe, and, and say he's love, which is like saying, um, you know, electricity is, is love and gentle and kind, it's ridiculous. Um, no, th this personal God who is love, you don't just smile and say, well, he's love. How do I know what I mean by that? And John 3.16, the scripture almost everybody knows, where, where it says, For God so loved the world. You see, there, there John has to put the so in, because it's not enough to say he loved. He said, For God so loved the world. In fact, in the original language, the way that it reads, because you know the languages have different place in the sentence for words, and, and it says, So loved the world. God, this so loved, this, this love to the limitless, it's beyond the nth degree, it's the limitless degree. He's so loved, and then it tells us what that looks like. He's so loved that, okay, now we'll see what so loved means. He's so loved that he gave his only begotten son. God the Father gave God. He gave himself. God so loved. And that, that leaves us speechless. And with that, he, he said, it's binding, it's a covenant. I swear to it. And yet at the same time, there's that element in it which is shall I say, it goes above the legal, goes above any binding powers of covenant. Because he loves. And his love is not simply a legal fact. It's a fact of his heart. It's, it's God-heart love. And so the scriptures speak. We don't have time to investigate them, but read Ephesians 1 in a decent translation. And it speaks that all that he does for us is because of the good pleasure as well, because he delighted in us. 
that which he said upon Jesus, he says upon us, you are my beloved children, whom I am well pleased. In, in fact, in that sense, it's very much like marriage. Again, marriage being but a poor shadow. But there's the legal aspect where two persons will bind themselves to their love. But at the same time in marriage, you have that uh, something that won't go down on paper, which is the, the heart of love and the devotion and the delight that each has in the other. And that part of the marriage service is you may now kiss the bride. This is not simply going into a legal contract. This is love reaching out and binding together. Love uniting. Well, that, that's the covenant. And that's, that's exactly what he says he is toward us. Please, if you have to, Stop now and just let this sink in. This is how God loves you. There are words in the Old Testament especially, um, marvelous, and sometimes that same Hebrew word is translated wonderful. It means that which is beyond the human capacity. Man can hardly think it, let alone do it. And when that's the case, they say marvelous and it's wonderful. Well, this, this love is marvelous. This love is wonderful because there's nothing to be found among humans on earth that is like it. The highest and greatest love of the human stretches toward this but never reaches it. This this is God's love. He so loved that he gave. You know, and what I'm about to say is probably more true today than at any other time in human history because of the internet and television and YouTube and all the ways in which uh, a person you've never heard of and never seen can actually be seen. Okay, uh, and because of the internet and all that goes with it, we, we have something come to the surface that has never been there before in the way it is today. And that is, and I'll say this very carefully, the twisted, distorted cry of the human heart. And And... That cry is, please notice me. Don't, don't let me go through life without anyone knowing my name. Please notice me. I hear this, it's almost a primal scream. Please give attention to me. Please be attentive to what I'm doing even if what I'm doing is extreme evil, at least I got my name in the paper. At least I was on the internet. People were talking about me. And, and, and so, if only my name, you see, if only my name could be on everybody's lips, if everybody knew my name, and if everybody talked to one another about me, then I would be famous. And if I was famous, then I'd finally have meaning to life. Have you, do you understand what I'm saying? 
uh, maybe some of you that are my age, that's a revelation to you. It never occurred to you. But you talk to the younger generation, and that's like the, the froth on top of the boil. Um, I, I, I've talked to so many, and that's their goal in life, to be famous. And why do you want to be famous? Mind you, they never say famous for what. Just famous. Anything will do. And they use these words I've just said are their words. They say, if everybody knew my name, if everybody talked about me, if everybody spoke of me, then I would be famous and I'd have meaning in life. I said, that's the twisted, distorted, darkened cry of the human heart that makes my heart break for them. But the fact, I said it's twisted. I didn't say it was out of the ballpark. I just said it's been twisted and distorted to become something that is walking death, actually, because we all know once you get what they're asking for, the whole of life, just you realize how empty it is. But the fact is, you were created for that only in a totally different way. You were created, you were created to become noticed by your creator. You were created to have his full attention. Can I tell you this? That God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit not only take notice of you and give you their fullest moment-by-moment attention, but God takes pleasure in you. He delights in you. And can I take it even further? He knows your name. I mean, for real. It's not knowing your name like some limitless computer readout. He knows your name as your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your brother knows your name. He knows your name, and the sound of your name brings delight to his heart. Can you get that? And what this generation is screaming for, to get out there in the limelight and for everybody to know my name, the news, the good news of the gospel is that you were created to be known not by some poor, pathetic, empty human who needs another human to adore, but by God, your creator, he knows you, names you, loves you, takes delight in you. That's the meaning of loving kindness. He gives himself thus to you to personally know you. To, you had the full attention of the Holy Trinity. Can you take that in? This is miraculous love. And if we had time to go, did you notice... Um, when I began quoting those verses down throughout the psalm, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. He joins loving kindness to wonders. Wonders. So, uh, 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 leave you speechless with wonder. 
the wonder that leave you with your eyes bugging out and your mouth hanging open wonders miraculous you see as I've said you cannot understand this love this love is defined by God giving to us God the Son Jesus who shall go to the death and shed his blood who shall rise from the dead to bring forth a new race of humans, a new way of being human, who shall enjoy to the fullest degree, unendingly, this union with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now that's miracle. The God, the God would, let alone could, enter into our humanness enter into every second of our humanness in that he became a speck of life in the womb of the virgin mary and through nine months developed and was born in a rush of her water That's almost beyond miracle, isn't it? I mean, you don't go beyond that. That, That's sort of the fountainhead of miracles. And what's he doing here? Loving kindness. God saying, I'm going to lay hold upon you, and I can't do that from heaven. I've got to do it with human flesh so that I know how you feel and I know what you're going through and I know what your pain is and I know your sorrow and sadness and I'm going to get inside your very guts. I'm going to walk the streets of the ghetto of this planet. Yeah. That's, That's miracle. That God should, in Jesus Christ, get inside our sin. That he should take to himself our sorrow and sadness and grief and carry it away into death and end it and rise from the dead to say behold I make all things new we begin again miraculous love I have said strong love binding love and so on love that is rooted in God becoming man in the womb of the Virgin Mary, we call the incarnation, love that is rooted in God, in Jesus, going to death, into death, to rise from the dead. That love never fails. Never fails. You see, that's what I mean. We've got to get to the heart of this. What is loving kindness? Because... It's not not a sentimental love. And and so often today, love is defined by gooey eyes and and, and sighs and that bland look on a person's face. You know, the the idea of bluebirds fluttering over the table and violin in the background and we feel so swoony. We're in love. I wish you were, but then the day comes when you realize the lights are turned up and they're not bluebirds, they're baby vultures. 
and all the violins are out of tune and the white tablecloth is shredded and just sentimental, just passing. Never gave a moment to develop and to expose your heart and be ready to be faithful even unto death. No, no time for that because we're in love. You're not. This, this love is not a passing feeling. Loving kindness is, is ultimate real. By which I mean I'm not saying it's real. I am saying real in the sense that all other real takes its meaning from this real. He cannot fail cannot fail. Every word that he has said is as sure as the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You, you will find as you read through the Old Testament and you come to this word loving kindness, especially in the Psalms, you will find many, many times it doesn't just say loving kindness, it says he keeps loving kindness or he does loving-kindness. Because this is not a sentiment, you see. It's, it's not just a passing feeling. It's, it's just not, you know, sheep eyes. Uh, loving-kindness is what you do. And you do it every day as whatever the occasion is. And when, when the chips are down, you keep your loving-kindness even unto death. So it's a, it's a big action word. And God keeps loving kindness toward us. He does every word that he has spoken. They're all sealed with the blood of Jesus. Loving kindness. Jesus Christ is called the Word of God. And so he is the speaking out of loving kindness. He is the ultimate doing of loving kindness, the ultimate keeping of it. And he reveals the love the Father has to us. He is the explanation. So look at Jesus. You know who the Father is. Jesus said so. If any man has seen me, he's seen the Father. Jesus is the final and absolute, complete and perfect definition of who the Father is. Jesus is the visibilizing of the invisible God. He's the explaining Him. And the Holy Spirit is God dynamically present with us. He is loving kindness with us, in us, toward us, out through us. He is the limitless personal power, personal ability and energy of this covenant love. And so he is, he doesn't have, no, he is kindness. He is compassion. He is gentleness, tenderness. He's all that toward us now. He is loving kindness right now toward us. 
the shield around us. He is loving kindness, the strength within us. He is God doing his work in us now. And in that sense, it's in the Holy Spirit, the union of covenant takes place. But you must never think of this as just happening once. You know, the, the, the boring fellow who gets up and says, well, 40 years ago I gave my life to Jesus. And you can tell that the chap has not done much since. Um, oh, I thank God it was 40 years ago. Like it was 60 plus years ago for me. Um, yes, it's a very wonderful thing. I thank God for that. But the Bible speaks of this doing loving kindness, this keeping loving kindness as God is ever reaching to us. So actually it says that. David said it perfectly. He summed it up from many other verses, but the summation is Psalm 23. And the last verse, surely goodness and loving kindness. And in our versions, it says, follow me all the days of my life, which is, uh, yes, that's what it means. But it's much stronger than that. And so really, to translate that properly, you would have to say, surely goodness, God goodness and God loving kindness shall relentlessly pursue me all the days of my life. Interesting, that's the only time in the Old Testament that that word, which we say follow, which I'm saying is far better as relentlessly pursue, it's the only time that's used um, of, shall I say, a friend pursuing me. All the other times it's used is of an enemy force relentlessly pursuing. Isn't that wonderful? God says, yes, I'm stronger than all enemy forces. I pursue you. I relentlessly pursue you. I, I follow you down all your byways and dead ends and cul-de-sacs. I follow you into your wilderness. I follow you down to the far country and the pigs. I'll never leave you. I love you. I feel my breath on your neck. I'm relentlessly pursuing you to bless you, to love you and bring you to your senses and to bring you into the embrace of my love, loving kindness. Well, I could go. Let, let, let's move on a bit, just a bit. It says, his loving kindness is everlasting. His loving kindness is everlasting. Without going into a long thing on the word everlasting, as far as, you know, practically, we're, we're t he says your loving kindness is outside of time and space. Your loving kindness is not influenced by time and space. Now that, that's interesting. Loving kindness is not limited by space. Loving kindness that is not all boxed up in time. Loving kindness is everlasting. And yet that unlimited, the everlasting loving kindness 
in Jesus entered into our time. Jesus brought heaven into earth. And the unlimited became limited to a human body and revealed himself to us limited humans. But when all was said and done, earth did not limit him. Rather, he entered into earth in order to bring the everlasting, and there's that other word, heaven, which has got nothing to do with golden streets and all that sort of stuff. Heaven is better understood as the God dimension, the God space. That, that Jesus, act, I mean, Jesus, I, I heard in a prayer meeting the other day, the poor fellow was saying, oh God, rend the heavens. And I, God rent the heavens 2,000 years ago when heaven was opened and God came to earth. He brought everlasting into earth. He brought heaven into earth. And again, look at Jesus. And you'll see what heaven is like. And and we speak of eternal or everlasting life. And that doesn't mean you'll live forever. That's a byproduct. Um, But everlasting life, eternal life, is relationship with the Father. And with Jesus, the Son, all through the Holy Spirit. John 17, 3. This is eternal life. When are we going to go back to biblical definitions? This is eternal life, says John 17, 3. Then he gives the definition that they may know, intimately, personally, know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So he said eternal life, this union with the everlasting. This union with heaven is in knowing intimately and personally the only true God, Father, and Jesus Christ, God from God. Everlasting. Well, if if it's not bound by time, and if it's not bound by space, I have now... I am now participating in that which is beyond time and space. You bet you are. You and I, in covenant with God, Creator, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're in covenant with the One who began time, who created space. So that brings us to a whole new dimension of living. And I don't want to push little words overly much, but it does say his loving kindness is everlasting. And I, and I, I may be pushing this, but it's one way of understanding everlasting. It is. I mean, it is so. It is, is, always, now. Everlasting is incapable of being a memory 
or a was. See, everlasting means that whatever I read in this book and whatever he did to the persons recorded here is not just a religious memory. This book does not have decay. This book is not just a record of something that is not anymore. This book is not sort of the divine was. It is. Or, don't pass over this too quickly, many multitudes actually of believers around the world read this book as ancient history. It was. It was. It's, it's the record of a memory of what God once did. You remember Gideon, Judges chapter 6, where he gives this litany of everything that God had done. God had done it, yeah. He brought us through the Red Sea. He delivered us from slavery. He led us through the wilderness. And then essentially, if you read the story, Gideon said that that was, but he's quit that now. He's left us alone. All we have is a memory. And our religion is just a memory of what God did to get us started. Boy, have I heard that. I mean, many persons were in church this Sunday morning to worship the great memory and talk about the great was who used to do this and but there's no upsetness that it doesn't happen anymore because we didn't expect it to we worship the was we worship the memory no Everything in this book is because it's everlasting and that means it's not a was, it's not a will be, but is now present to us in the Holy Spirit, everlasting. Now, there is never a word, there's never a promise in the scripture that has an expiration date. Think about that. You'll never wake up and say, well, I missed the best. If only I'd been alive when. No, you can't miss the best when the best is always with you. Everlasting. Everlasting, it means it's always springtime. And new life is always bursting forth. There's always birthing in this life that is everlasting. But it's not baby life. That ever new and ever fresh life that ever abounds and increases is ever filled with the wisdom of the unbegun God and Jesus is the treasure of that wisdom and understanding and so you could say it's the bursting forth of life that is older than all times you can put that together it's like celebrating my birthday 
that I was newborn in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And you're celebrating your birthday every day, but you're never growing older and you're never growing feebler. Because it's... I hope that makes sense. Hope it makes sense. Is. Is everlasting. So this is the God who is always giving of himself. He's defined by his continual giving of himself, but he's never exhausted. He gives himself away, but he's never less than he was. He gives himself to you, let alone the rest of mankind. He gives himself to you personally by name, but he never needs time to recoup. Never needs time for repair or replenishment. He is the fullness that can never be anything less than that. Is. The everlasting is. So everlasting can never come to an end. There'll never be a day when you wake up and say, well, now it's back to reality. No, this loving kindness who now fills our life, this is reality. That, that world from whence we came is not reality, it's the great illusion imposed by the liar. This love that loves us, this life that we enjoy, never began. There was never a time when it wasn't. Never became. God is love. And this always was and always will be. And you, through Jesus, by the Spirit, are locked into that. This is your life now and shall be to the ages of ages. We, we are participating in Christ and therefore into the life of this union relationship that's being constantly manifest to us and in us and through us. Well, if this loving kindness is everlasting, it was there before I had a chance to do anything about it. I am born into the isness. It is. So there's nothing I can do to begin this. Do you understand? I, I, I cannot promise to read my Bible through in six months to get God's attention that maybe he'll think I've really got my act together and love me. I'm too late. He loved me before I was born. He loved me right there in the birthing room. Even if that birthing room was the back of a car, you were born into the hands of him who loved you and would work in all the twists and turns of your life to have you right at this minute in his arms of love, yes. 
this is shocking, you know, because in, in fact, this is why, that's what I've learned in the last over half a century, that somehow, it's the strangest thing, the religious people don't like what I'm saying. Now, that's amazing to me. I mean, if I had some really wacko doctrine or cultish doctrine, I could understand. But to say that God is love, limitless love, and, and to have the leaders of religion upset over that, why? I, I think it's right here. This is very threatening, you know. I can't do anything to make God love me. Well, there goes church, doesn't it? I mean, I, I thought, uh, you know, on Sunday he gave me ten ways to make God love you. And no, I can't make God love me. I feel terribly out of control now. Before I could control God, you know. And if, if, if I really screwed up and did something stupid, well, I could tell him he doesn't love me now. And, and then I would have to do and do and do and do. And then we'd get back. He'd love me again. And now I, I can't control God. He loves me. Period. This is something beyond my behavior. You see, people get this mixed up with contracts. Covenant is not contract. Contract is a celebration of myself. You know, I'm protecting myself with a contract. You know, a contract always says, if you do, if, 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 if you do this, the, the way you've said you will do it, in the time that you said you would do it, then I will pay you this and this and this. And if you don't do it, then I won't pay you. And if I don't pay you, you can sue me. You know, it's if, then. That's contract. Covenant says, I love you. And if you go down, I'm coming down with you. Total difference. But much of religion is based on contract. How many times have I been told when I was... In my earliest days of Christianity, I was told, when you do this, then God will do that. After you have done that, then God will do that. Everything was when. Nothing was now. Everything was when you get your act together, when you give complete dedication, when you have consecrated yourself, when you have given up and given up and given up, and when you have done... You give up, I mean, good grief. And then when you do those things, they change the goalposts. <laughs> and so we, we are controlling the everlasting loving kindness of God. We're seeking to control that by the limits of earth. God comes to us in Jesus Christ and he loves us. Period. He loves us. The idea of us controlling him by our response to that love is, well, at best it's hilarious, at worst it's blasphemy. As if we can dictate to God when we're good enough to be loved. No, this is loving kindness. This is God's initiative. God, by sheer gift, entering into covenant with us. We don't create loving kindness. 
We hear the announcement and we participate in that. Or as the Old Testament phrase in the scripture, he does all of this for his name's sake. He does it because of who he is. It's not for our name's sake. He does this because of who he is, not because of who you are. And he enfolds you in his arms and he kisses you all over and he sits you at his table and he honors you and blesses you just because that's the way he is. Or as Ephesians 1 says, for the good pleasure of his will. That's him. See, we're not being presumptive, presumptuous when we say this. All we're doing is trusting all he has said of himself. It's not a word I've said tonight that God hasn't said of himself. So I'm announcing to you the good news that came directly from the mouth of God. Then it's not presumption. It's, It's in some senses, it's crazy, certainly marvelous, certainly wonderful. Certainly, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the mind of human beings. But, keep quoting the verse, God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. This is it. And when we meet this loving kindness, and when this loving kindness becomes the very dimension in which we live through the Holy Spirit... Or as the psalm says, we taste and we see that the Lord is good. We know we've come home. I mean, we've come home. We've come home to ultimate meaning, what it's all about. We feel like saying, I've been looking for this all my life. I've been looking in all the wrong places, in all the dead ends. But now, I've come home. That's really what this whole psalm is about. You should read it about 20 times in different translations, and you'll see uh, he talks about these people and these people and these people, different kinds of people who get different kind of dead ends. But then they come home, and each time, it's all, all the men would praise the Lord. Oh, that they would respond to his loving kindness. So we're home. What a relief. We're home. And we're home in the love of the unchangeable God. But coming home is not the end. Actually, coming home is the beginning of a million new adventures in love. Coming home never means we're now going to get used to this. It's just going to be mundane and ordinary. We're home now. Vacation. No. We're home in this springtime of love that's ever bursting forth in newness, ever revealing himself as we've never seen it before, never dreamt it before. New pathways. Well, he said, if you have touched, if you have been rescued by this everlasting loving kindness, then he said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. And I, there's no time to really go into it, but enough to say 
if, if this reverberates in your spirit, if this that I speak of is the foundation plank of your life, then he said, say so, say so. We say so to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's praise, that's worship, that's thanksgiving. In fact, he actually says it all the way through, those other verses I read. It says that men would thank the Lord. Say so. Take a day, just don't, don't ask for anything of God, just thank him. Or as David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, talking to himself. Forget not all his benefits, and then go through all that he is and all that he has done in praise and, and worship. And, and say so, even when your flesh would be momentarily befogging your vision as to what he's up to. And, and it might not look like loving kindness going on around you, but that's your flesh. At worst, it's the devil um, who blinds the minds of those who believe not. And, and he keeps those who believe in a fog. But, but your flesh, many times, you, you know, your, your flesh, this stuff, well, you can have a hormone invasion and you, you, you get irritable and sad and you don't see things as they really are. That's all flesh. And acknowledge it as such and recognize that you live beyond flesh. And when every feeling is against it, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them say thanks to God for his loving kindness. Let them say that his loving kindness is at this very moment happening in my life, regardless of my feelings and my half blind eyes and so on I mean you, you speak the word of faith that this is God when I don't see him when I don't feel him this he is and his arms are still around me and learn the meaning of that great word of scripture testimony we have certainly no time but to give testimony it's to share what God's loving kindness looks like in your life today or yesterday. And when they're all yakking away in their misery of what's coming upon the world, give testimony to the loving kindness of God who keeps you, protects you, provides at all times, who will never leave you nor forsake you. And as you face the satanic powers, remember they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So says Revelation 12. Yes, well, you don't fight Satan by having a discussion. You fight Satan by giving praise to God and testifying of his greatness. And in that light, the powers of darkness wither. Okay, I'm done. And the next time I see you, I will be well and truly 75, giving thanks to God that his loving kindness in my life has been everlasting. And so, because I am one of the redeemed, 
I've taken the last hour to say so. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, his blessing be upon you, opening the eyes of your understanding to see, to comprehend, and to walk in his loving kindness. So I bless you, and so it is.